0: I'm Jen Drummond welcome to my podcast take a break as a mom of seven a business owner and an individual trying to be the first female to climb the seven second summits I often need to remember to take a break take a break is about enhancing and preserving the greatest asset you have you listen in as I share personal stories and interview others to help you get the most out of this one amazing life Today I interviewed David Hits. He's a family man and entrepreneur. We talk about an experience that happened in his life that really changed his views on everything, making sure that we as individuals are giving ourselves space and exploring three pillar areas of our lives: spirituality, physicality, and mental emotional well-being. I really hope you enjoy this interview as much as I do. Thank you for joining the podcast today. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing well. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. So give us your like trajectory, like your history, for everybody.
1: I grew up in a family business, okay. so that entrepreneurial bug is really hard to kick. I had a taco truck in Hawaii uh, with my brother at one point, you know, five six years ago, something like that. My wife and I were franchisees and had a few stores for a few years. Um, realized that wasn't what we wanted, and I've had the Hits Group now for. Uh, seven or eight years something like that where I primarily started it to do mediation and coaching for conflict resolution uh, with a, a focus on organizational conflict worked with a, a mentor here in Boise uh, who has been phenomenal you know it's one of those things where I'm shocked that she just kind of took me under her wing uh, because she's been you know nominated for women of Idaho a couple times now and has just done phenomenal things and she, kept nudging me to get interested in neuroscience. You know, she said, I think I I can see that there's something there. And I think that it would bode really well with what you already know and do. And I kind of just kicked it off a little bit. And then in 2020, so this is where things you talked a little bit earlier, you know, and I don't remember if it was before we hit record or not, but Mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's some pivotal moments and, and there's a lot of those for me. And one of those, Is in 2020, we lost my brother, uh, my older brother to suicide and it changed uh, obviously everything for our family and, and really shifted what I was doing with my personal life and with my professional life um, and the lens at which I now view the world.
0: Okay. So what, like what shifted, what was it like before? And what was it like after?
1: I think that you put it nicely on, uh, you know, a lot of things that that you say, right. It was kind of on autopilot. Um, not that Mm -hmm. we were doing, you know, the, the traditional things we had, you know, we were franchisees and, and then we were, I was just kind of in a corporate job. You know, we realized we weren't living intentionally. Uh, we weren't Mm -hmm. doing the things that um brought us the most joy as a family. and when my brother passed, I hadn't seen him uh, physically in years because oh, he wow. was on the other side of the country and and we both were in different financial situations, and it was like, oh, I, I don't have the time. I don't you know I don't have the money. I don't it's it got really hard. looking back i I could have afforded you know jumping on a plane and he could have afforded that. and And it was one of those things that we didn't want another situation like that to happen. One, we didn't want to lose another loved one like that. And two, we wanted to spend more time as a family. You know, we don't want years to go by that we're not there for each other physically. So it really shifted just our, our whole approach of what we're doing with our time.
0: Uh, well those events do that <laughs> yeah. right I have all of all of my family is in the midwest still so michigan indiana area and like we'll do FaceTime which I'm grateful for right like imagine days when we didn't have the ability to like see each other on FaceTime or like mm-hmm. it's such a difference but even that physical aspect of my brother has a big birthday in march and I'm flying out for his birthday and he was like I can't believe you're flying out for my birthday I'm like you're my brother. It's <laughs> right. like, I am flying out for this big birthday of yours. Always, no matter mm-hmm. what, and I just make sure we get back in the summer and not just connecting, but being physical and being personable with everybody. What are some other things along this journey?
1: So a couple other things with um, losing my brother, we all had to take a step back and see were we receiving the things that we needed for our well being, right? Um, and that has that has really influenced how i approach things with the hits group is Mm -hmm. are we taking care of ourselves from a spiritual standpoint a mental emotional and a physical so as a family we all kind of are looking at these things and and saying are, are we moving are we exercising right that physical nature of things are we taking care of ourselves are we being kind to ourselves in our thoughts and in our words and and are we connecting with You know, in that spiritual side of things with a greater being, you know, whatever your belief set may be, Mm -hmm. there are forces outside of yourself. And being able to recognize where you are in relation to that helps you to be grateful for the life you have and all of that Um, and, and just how you approach things. And so, that change in our family dynamic created a lot of changes within us, family, but then also for me with work and what I'm doing and, and making sure that that people know how much they truly matter, right? on a In a corporate setting, that's not something that you typically talk about, right? There's a stigma about having uh, mental health conversations. And so I kind of break through those. Uh, maybe it's that skateboarder nature in me that is like, forget this, let's just go, you know, um, that rebellious side, but it's being able to have tough conversations and it's being able to show up for each other in a vulnerable state that allows you to, to grow and to heal and to create teams that are going to be able to be dynamic, right. To be fluid and adaptable. Um, you know, for me, the way I put it, it's creates plasticity in your team, right. Neuroplasticity. And you're doing that with your team. And so, um, that was an important shift for me that then, you know, after everything with my brother, that's when I started getting more into neuroscience and was like, all right, I'm going to be serious about this and, um, and intentional with that. And, you know, ponied up for MIT and, and got a, uh, did a neuroscience there. And, um, and it was phenomenal. It was great. And it was a nice, um, insight into how we operate and how that connects to, Kind of our our outside world right so that was just kind of another thing with that pivotal moment and prior to my brother's passing my wife had some pretty bad postpartum um, after mm-hmm. my second was born and that caused us to really take a step back take a break and we we had to ask ourselves you know are are we done having kids you know where do we kind of go from here and then you know fast forward a year or so to when my brother passed it was like are we doing the things we need to are we feeding our souls are we are we making sure that we're in a good place and it's been amazing that shift with our approach that we both felt like we're not done having kids and oddly enough it was literally like at the viewing the viewing of my brother and it was like it just hit us and um and so my my daughter the third child her middle name is sky named after my brother skylar and uh (laughs) yeah i might tear up a little bit but um for us we felt like by being more intentional with that with our well-being it's been incredible to see the difference of the postpartum journey with our third compared to our second and just the overall light that has come from uh, you know, having a baby in the house and all of that. and and she's wild and crazy and um, and so much fun. And we know that we are doing the right things to take care of our family now and are totally open for more kids, right? Because we have taken that step back and looked at at the things that my wife needed for her postpartum, which was a huge thing for us and being able to uh, then kind of bounce out against all of the other events with life and, and everything. And it's been beautiful to to see how much that, that mindset shift can impact the way that you live.
0: And what are the things that you're doing? Are you just checking in with each other? Is she, is she saying, hey, I need this? So she has permission to ask for things and doesn't feel like she's being a burden? Or how has this kind of played out where you're getting the results that you want, but what is it that you're doing to get those results?
1: Killer question. So one of the things that we did, everybody as a family, when my brother passed is we looked to see, do we need professional help? And if we do, do we have the right fit, right? Um, At the time, Mm -hmm. my wife had seen a counselor and a psychiatrist. And the meeting with the psychiatrist, you know, previously, it was like five minutes. He's like, oh, you know, yeah, it's probably this. And, you know, here's some meds. And after my brother's passing, we we looked at how my wife was feeling. It's crazy that the body will tell you so many things, right? If you if you develop that relationship with your body and her, it, you know, for her, it was like, something has to change. I don't know exactly know what it, know what it is, but something has to change. We removed ourselves from that um, relationship with a psychiatrist and found somebody that was a better fit, someone that she can open up to, that she can get the help that she actually needs, right? So that was one piece to it. Another was, yes, having those hard conversations with with each other and me checking in with her to see what she needs to be open to that right and if she says i need you to take the other kids go grab dinner or you know i i just need some alone time then me being able to to give that to her was really big and then also we kind of cr- have created like themes for the year and and it's a nice way for us to check in with each other and with ourselves of how we're doing right so some of the things that we've had, we've had love as a focus, um, and whatever that that meant, right? Being present was one. Um, this year, it's it's quality, right? So the quality, quality of our time, the quality of our relationships, the quality of our of our workouts, right? Um,
0: How did you decide on quality this year? What's the process of that?
1: Leading up to the end of the year, we basically start talking about it. We start throwing out ideas, we then kind of just sit on it um, and pray and meditate and and then it kind of just comes, right? It's and and what's funny is we'll throw out different ideas and it's not until we get the right one that we both go, Oh, yep, yep, that's it. And so it's it's not like a specific I mean it's not like this written out process or step by step thing. It's it's just continuing that conversation and, and hey, what do we want to focus on, right? Um, and so it's been interesting that since we settle settled on quality, we've really looked at, again, kind of the quality of our time spent together as a family. It's nudged us into looking at things a little more um, minimally and less materialistic. And so we're kind of in this phase right now of, uh, in our house, looking at being intentional with what we're getting, right? Quality things. Um, but quality of the space that we have and not just overburdening it with more pictures or, uh, you know, more junk, but quality in the space that it can allow our family to grow and be what it needs to be.
0: I like that. I do think it helps (laughs) when we have a theme to anchor ourselves to, right? Mm -hmm. And just keep coming home and like, is this a white or black, like against whatever that idea is that shows up, it just gives you like this guiding principle to follow. And then, I like that you change it every year because for me, my personality, I have a theme every year as well. And then by the time it's getting towards the end of the year, I'm like, I'm ready for something (laughs) new. I want a different (laughs) challenge. I want like to get it like creative again and get my brain spiced up again. So So is there a process that you go through? You know, I'm kind of like you, I keep big post-it notes on my wall and then I'll put little post-its on the big post-it note and I will like just throw up ideas, right? Kind of it's like spaghetti season. Everything just sticks to the wall and let me look by and see what's going on and then kind of like, oh, this doesn't fit today because I'm moody, right? Different moods like different things. And then by hey. I don't know, it's like so, like something shows up and I'm like, oh, that's been that's been feeling good for a couple of days, I'm going with it. And that's kind of how it evolves. But we all need that. I mean, I think the key thing here is we all need that time to, like, try it on or taste test Mm -hmm. or feel. Like, how does this feel for you? How does it feel for me? Is it something we can commit to for a year? Is it... Right. And when you know, you know, right? Like, at the end of the day, I think when you know, you know, and you just go with it. And don't doubt and just keep going.
1: Yeah. No, I totally agree. It's kind of like meditation, right? You say meditation, and and historically, I think a lot of people just think of, you know, kind of sitting cross-legged and kind of... mm, you know, kind of more of like a, like a monk or something like that. But the reality is there's so many different forms of meditation and it's figuring out what works for you. For me, it's right now, my meditation is me on my back porch in the morning in a hammock swing, no matter how cold it is. Right. I mean, this morning, it was probably like 20 degrees and I'm out there visualizing kind of what I want my future to look like. Right. And I'm, and I'm working on that because It helps develop the neural pathways to then create that action that then springboards into becoming that person, right? Because the more that we can visualize that future and that ideal state and all of the things that go with that, the senses, the feel, you know, what embodying that person, um, the more you can solidify those neural pathways and kind of rewrite the story.
0: Yeah, this is a question for you since you went to neuroscience study at MIT. Is it desire that drives action? Or action that drives desire.
1: Yes, <laughs> right. It,
0: <laughs> for me,
1: I think um, in the in the form of meditation that I use, typically it's that desire then drives action, right? It's that chicken and the egg. It takes the action to get to that point to have to want to do it, right? So, um, so that's why I say yes. Is it? I think it's both. You have to take action to then figure out what those desires are, where you mm-hmm. want to go, and then once you can figure that out then it helps drive more action.
0: I like that answer. It's good. Okay, so you've learned all these things personally and you've been able to have like a different experience, right? Like you're able to have another baby and mm-hmm. you learned from the first time and you said, "Here's what we need to do different so it's better for us." And now you're in your position to say, "Hey, we're open to even having more." <laughs> yeah. What does that look like in I mean, I have seven, so you're like, you can keep going all day long and you're good. But yeah, like how does that show up in the work Um, environment for people?
1: My brother's suicide really impacted a lot of how I approach what I do, because I'm coming at it from a point of making sure that people understand their value, that inherently as a human, you have value. You are unlike any other being in the world and making sure that there's space for that in, in the workplace. And Some of the ways that I do that is in working with teams. I'm working with managers or leaders and the people that are in charge of kind of that day-to-day operation for their team and ensuring that there's space for people to kind of have that personal development, for people to have uh, creativity, to hydrate, to fuel themselves with good nutrition and all those things, because that's what's going to help create a rockstar team, a team that's going to be able to be fluid and roll with the punches, um, a team that has a good culture of checking in with each other, um, you know, and it can be as simple as how many meetings in a corporate setting, right? How many meetings do you see that in the agenda, if there is an agenda, <laughs> how many of those agendas have a spot in a time for processing, right? For creativity, because far too often... We come into a meeting and it might look something like, give me a report out of what you're seeing." you know, okay, now here's what I need you to do. Okay, now go and do it. What it should be is everybody needs time to process. And so at the end of that, um, or at the beginning, right, you can, you can even do kind of a bookend thing, have some time at the beginning to gather your thoughts, right? Everybody knows what the agenda is, or they should know, prepare for it, relax, right? If you need some water, get some water. And that's in the meeting time, right? Don't Don't make them feel rushed to get to the meeting, but have that slot in there. Have your meeting. And at the end of that, you should also have a time slot for checking in. Let them sit with it. Be quiet. Just shut up and let your team think because it might sit well with them or they may have questions, they need clarification, or they may say, you know, I have another idea. What if we look at it this way, right? And having a space for that uh, as a team makes a huge difference with where you're gonna go and the rate of success that you're gonna have. And as a manager or an executive that's following these types of principles, you're gonna have so much less turnover because your people are gonna know that they matter, that their voice matters, that they're recognized for their skills. And that makes all the difference in the culture of your organization.
0: So when, and do you have like a length of time that is good for this in the front and the back end of the meeting?
1: The front, if you want to have kind of a water and whatever break, probably two to three minutes. Um, It could be as simple as one minute and you could even have it, you can have it as structured as you want, right? You could have, as an example, a breathing exercise, right? Where you're going to do a minute of kind of just focused breathing or you can just have it as a minute or two of just hey i want you to prepare we're gonna be quiet and everybody just take notes as you are getting ready for the meeting and at the back end of it or wherever the time slot is of that that feedback processing creativity piece i like three to five minutes Um, it could be longer if you really need it. if it's like deep work and you guys are you know you're doing your yearly projections or you're rolling out new metrics or things like that as a team, you may need a little bit longer time um, or break that up into multiple meetings. But I think three to five minutes is a nice time. It allows most people to process what they're what they're taking in and to think and to then say, okay, here's what I, you know, where I go with this. So it's not a lot of time that it would actually require. Five minutes uh, total, right? Of like an entire meeting.
0: I like the idea of just, Everybody getting in there energetically, dropping into who they are, having the meeting, and then having a little bit of time to process that as they continue on and close the meeting out and set themselves up for another one. So, what are things when teams are running into hard times? Like, what's the neuroscience say? Like, what was neuroscience class like? What did you learn? What, did, what can you share with us?
1: Some of the things that we learned are kind of the foundations of like what the brain needs, you know, kind of the, the, the basics. We, we need water or hydration. We need oxygen. We need to simplify things. You know, if it's if things are just so chaotic, then we're not going to process well, right? There's, there's too much going on. And so simplification is a huge one in terms of your processes, in terms of your kind of standards that you have as a team uh, or as a, you know, making sure that that vision is clear and then a concise breakdown of that. Um, And how to achieve that is huge. We overcomplicate it way too often. And I I know you've seen this, right? Um, uh, Some of the other things, you know, rest is a big one. So, rest for the brain is that beautiful space in which it can kind of create and it can slow down. I mean, we, I think we can speak about 100, 125 words a minute, we can listen about two to 300 words a minute. Our thoughts—it's like 900 words a minute. Like, oh wow. it's just all over the place. So it's important for us to slow down. And so, from a work perspective, having that space at the end of the meeting allows things to slow down, right? But having space, or or as a value, that time to rest is huge. Uh, being able to just recover and and get the things that you need, right? So we kind of have that foundation of what your brain needs what your body needs and then looking at neuroplasticity is obviously another key concept that we that we do and what's so cool about it is that we're never stuck right we may think we're stuck or feel like we're stuck but we can continue to learn and grow and develop and change forever right? Um, and I know you had um, one of your other guests, right? She specifically talks a little bit about neuroplasticity.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. Lisa. Yes.
1: Yeah. Um, based yep. out of Colorado. And, yes.
0: She's fantastic um, human.
1: And so it's, it's such a core idea when you're looking at neuroscience. Neuroplasticity is such a key concept that allows people to change and, and evolve, right? For me, that's hope, right? If, if you know that you matter, and you know that there's hope for you to continue to grow. And if your workplace is giving you that space to do it, they're investing in you, and in that relationship that is built is is one of trust, right? It's it's one of mm-hmm. of care. And and with trust, you get communication. You get kind of that um, that love that you know in a workplace you don't typically uh, always see. But it what it does is it then brings that vulnerability, that humanness to it, right? It, it takes away the inhumane nature that we often have in the workplace, right? We see people as titles instead of as people.
0: So if you're the, like, so if you're the worker or the person that feels stuck mm-hmm. and you believe in neuroplasticity, yeah. right? Which you, there's all the science behind it that that's there. How do you help that person? How do you help that person get unstuck?
1: So my approach uh, is going to look at those three Kind of foundational pieces that I mentioned before, right? What does your spirituality look like? Um, what does your mental, emotional, well-being or practices look like? What are your physical practices look like? If you don't have those three pieces in a solid place, which if you feel stuck, you more than likely don't, right? So we're going to look at those specific areas. What are you doing to feed those different areas of your life? Do you have a regular exercise regimen that you follow? Are you physically moving? Uh, and that might just be a walk, right? But something that gets your body moving because when your body's moving, it's also processing. And walking oh, is one of the. Yes. Right. And and yeah, you absolutely know this. And
0: <laughs> yes. So no, for me, like I'm on K2, right? So I'm like climbing one of the deadliest mountains in the world. And I have boys that are at camp at Outward Bound in Colorado, Yosemite. Like, no, they were in Yosemite National Park. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, this is great. This will be, like, whatever. I get a call, and they're like, your kids are done. They want to quit. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. That's not an option. And I was furious. Like, I was so angry. Like, how can they not survive camp? You're at no 70 National Park. And we had a 17-mile walk before I could make a phone call to actually talk to the counselors and figure out what's going on. The anger that I had when I first heard the news I could not even get close to reaching after 17. Like, I wasn't even mad. Like, I couldn't even get an angry spot anymore after that 17-mile hike mm-hmm. uh, to be able to call to figure out what was going on. And I was actually bad at myself for not being able to get mad again. I'm like, no, no, no. I want to be mad about this. Like, I deserve to be mad about this. And I couldn't. And it just was, it's an example that I hold on to because I'm like, oh, anytime I'm, like, angry or feeling extremes or just whatever it is, walk. And then if you still have that feeling, just walk more and more and more and more. And eventually you walk it out.
1: Yeah. It's, it's huge, right? Walking and and just movement in general, it's going to, it's going to get things processing. And, and yeah, if you're, if you're mad or frustrated or whatever it is, right. It's, it just allows things to kind of move through because it's releasing all sorts of chemicals and things just can process out. Um, you know, and, and then I'm going to look at, the mental emotional right are, are you okay. do you have some sort of a meditation practice do you do things that fuel your creativity right that spark um, ideas that have uh, kind of a healthy outlet are you are you learning and growing and what does that look like simple simple things like that um, and then that spiritual component of it i think is really important because um, as we talked about before recognizing your role in the universe and that by nature of being human, we could be gone tomorrow. And and mm-hmm. having the knowledge that there's something greater outside of you allows you to show up in a different way. It, it helps solidify the gratitude in your life that is necessary to be there for people and be there for yourself. You're not just chasing and chasing and chasing. It's, okay, I'm in a good place. I'm blessed. I Whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm in a place where I know that there's something that gives me hope and a drive to become better, right? And so those are kind of those three foundational pieces that I'm going to look at and work with people uh, to kind of develop those because for me, those have been the key areas of success in my life and have helped me to evolve into, uh, you know, a good leader, a a good husband and father, um, brother, son, whatever part of my identity you want to look at, those are the areas that have helped me to become who I am today.
0: Okay, so the physical practice, obviously it's working out, it's walking, it's doing something. Mm -hmm. And then the mental and the emotional process, that looks like meditation, it looks like creative space and play.
1: It also may look like professional help, Right. So that mental, emotional piece is establishing a nice relationship with yourself. Right. What are you saying to yourself in your head and your thoughts? Right. Out loud. Are you constantly calling yourself dumb? And if so, how do we rewrite that? Right. If you make a mistake, how do we reframe it so that instead of saying I'm such an idiot, it's "Hey, it's cool. I made a mistake. I'm going to get it next time, right? Or I've learned XYZ from this mistake so that I don't have to make it again or I don't have to make it again in the same manner. And then, yes, seeing if if there's more to it that you may need to put yourself into a better headspace. If that's physical, I mean, um, professional help that you need, get it, right? And, and allow yourself to do that. A lot of people, there's such a stigma out there of, uh, you know, one – the whole conversation about mental health, but two getting help and and it's getting better, but there's still a stigma out there of, of going to counseling or therapy or, um, and whatever that may look like to you, whatever the professional services that speaks to you, I think that that's important Mm -hmm. to get right. For some people, it might be, um, equine therapy for others. It may be, you know, a a counselor in the traditional setting for others. it, It might be, um, a, a breathwork coach or a mindfulness coach, so that's kind of that the piece of mental emotional that uh, for me I look at is establishing that healthy relationship with yourself and and with your own kind of mental well being.
0: Yes, 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 yes. So, what's your favorite part? Like, what's your favorite part of what you do?
1: I think my favorite part is helping people figure out or kind of what what meditation looks like for them because there's so many different forms. <laughs> so many different ways to go about it. And the intent behind it is to create the space in your, in your brain to just slow down to process and to kind of grow. And that's what I like is, is kind of working with people on that too. Cause for me, I've tried a bunch of different ways of meditating and fi- finally figured out what works for me. Right. And what works for me doesn't work for my dad. My dad goes on kind of a meditation prayer walk every day. Right. For him, that okay. works. Um, you know, for me, it's on my back porch.
0: I like the idea of building space into our lives. Yeah. That space that we build into our lives, into our corporate culture allows us to check in, mm-hmm. right? It allows us to take a break from everything that's going on instead of breaking, Yes. right? So the name of mine is Break Proof Jen. That doesn't mean I don't break. It means that when the break happens, it gives me proof, oh, I'd be there pushing too hard or I need to put more space into my life or I need to do these different things. It doesn't mean I stop my quest. It just means, oh, okay, what's a better way to go forward that's yeah. going to support me and have me be who I want to be when I get there? Yes. Right? Totally. <laughs> so. Yeah. I totally get it. Well, how do the people that are listening today get in touch with you, learn more, maybe hire you to help with their company or personal coaching?
1: Yeah, um, I am most, in terms of like social media, I'm most active on LinkedIn. My website is thehitsgroup.com and is an easy enough way to, uh, to get with me. And those are probably the two best avenues.
0: Okay. We will make sure that we have those in the show notes so that everybody listening can be a part of it awesome. So excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and all your things.
1: No, thank you.
0: So I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. The one thing that I took away was about creating space in our life. And I know we've heard it go fast or go slow to go fast, but just listening to it again, just reminded me that, Hey, where am I building space into my day to make sure that I'm showing up for myself so that I can show up for everybody else? So I encourage you to take five to 10 minutes today and take care of yourself so that you can become a better you. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, they're also available to be watched on YouTube. And thank you to Clearwater Wealth Management for sponsoring this episode.